0: for the Dadaist pep talk. I feel much more abstract now. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about
1: gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week, we introduce a new segment Gender cells. We'll talk about advertisements, advertisements, tomato, tomato, and the gender stereotypes they portray. We'll review
0: a couple of Wonder Woman videos and begin a more in depth discussion of narrative and games.
1: And our wrap, we'll talk to you about how we've been geeking out this week and what we're watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl.
0: Gender stereotypes are defined through our culture's media, and there's perhaps no bigger influencer than commercials. I actually use commercials a great deal of time in class as examples of gender and how gender is portrayed and how we're taught really about gender. You can use TV shows as well, but especially TV commercials give you a nice sort of short, quick glimpse into what our culture thinks about the roles of men and women. Uh, the same with print ads. I actually have students write papers about print ads a-, a vast majority of the time. So in our new segment, which we're calling Gender Cells, we'll talk about different commercials that come up that catch our attention and their portrayals of gender. And this week, we have two commercials that we're going to start with, one with bad gender stereotypes and one with more positive gender stereotypes. So Rhonda, we're
1: starting this segment because I know you have a bee in your bonnet. Well, <laughs> just I pay attention to commercials. I mean, it's a, me- a media that I'm I'm very tuned into besides the fact that we're barrage with it constantly. I don't know when the last time was that you You flew, but I noticed this past um, two weeks ago new ads showing up in the airport. They're putting ads in the uh, trays that you push through TSA. Really? Yes, in the liners. They, huh. the, somebody's paying to put liners in those trays with an ad on it. And then, as we're going down the um, the breezeway to get on the plane, of course, the, the airline has got ads on the walls. But when you right. get to the plane, somebody has paid to put a magnetic ad next to the door as you're boarding. Wow. Yeah, it's I find it hilarious and proof positive that Commercials um, set a lot of definitions, especially especially about gender in mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's it's interesting the pervasiveness of of ads and how a lot a lot of people become desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. I actually have, yeah. and and when I start the segment on on ads and commercials when i teach the first assignment i give my students i'm like you know pay attention to every commercial you come across and they will ignore i'd say 75% of the commercial content <laughs> that they're you know exposed to and i'm like listen i know you were on the internet i last night there's no way you weren't on the internet and they're like yeah yeah i was on the internet i'm like you were on facebook yeah i was on facebook guess what yep they're ads on Facebook and they just they just don't see them. And then I get into the more like subtle ads like, you know, labels on clothes and, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that that are all forms of advertisement. But And they don't, they don't think about these. They don't think about the things they see on campus. I'm like, how many signs did you see on campus today? Just yep. walking here, I saw at least a dozen. And they're like, oh oh, I don't even think about those being ads. And I'm like, well, guess what?
1: (laughs) They really are everywhere. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they definitely are. And like you said, you get, you get desensitized Mm -hmm. because this first ad, I actually, I, I do, I have a lot of multimedia usually going on in the room at the same time. And I almost, I have to have the TV on whether I'm watching it or not. And usually I'm not, and I'm reading or I'm surfing or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, love watching football and was not paying any attention to the commercials. And then all of a sudden, at toward the middle of this commercial, it popped me completely out. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what? What are they saying? What did I just hear? <laughs> and I, I'm interested to see what your take on it. It is a Chevrolet cruise commercial. Um, and I forget who, I've already closed the link, but uh, you're going to play it there, right?
0: I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the, the audio so that we can listen to the dialogue because that's the most important you know, That's f- what's, yeah feature that's of what we're important. looking at in this ad. A lot of times it's vision, it's the visual and the audio, but this time we really want to focus on the dialogue so i'm going to play this yeah, let
1: me let me set it up real quick sure. because they show the car and then they go to the interior of the car and there are two women in the car now they never explain who the two women are but the driver looks to be your everyday woman the well,
0: passenger yeah <laughs> every day well, a, a certain you know stereotype of everyday woman right
1: yeah, well yeah right. yeah and the the street clothes right Right. that's what i mean oh okay okay yeah yeah that the street clothes yeah and in the passenger side is a woman her hair is put up and she's wearing a skirt suit mm-hmm. so the appearance to me is i read that as the the woman in the passenger seat is the salesperson and the woman in the driver's seat is uh test driving the car because it looks like that they're in front of a dealership they're not in the store parking lot they're not out in public they're in the uh, parking lot mm. of a dealership. So. Okay. Anyway, go ahead and give the uh, All course. right, so here's their conversation.
0: The Chevy Cruze offers an EPA-estimated 36 MPG highway. That's crazy. Crazy efficient. 10 standard airbags. And you get stability track with traction control. That is like crazy protection. Mm. And this interior is insane. It is insane. Mm. I was going to say crazy again. All right. Well,
1: am I crazy? <laughs>
0: Well, no. I mean, I mean, my first note is crazy. This commercial is crazy. <laughs> I I hadn't really thought um, in your setup. I hadn't really thought about the um, the woman in the uh, passenger seat being the the salesperson, to be honest. Okay. Because their dialogue had a level of familiarity that I don't expect between yes client and. Dealer exactly, and that was was kind of off putting in terms of. And now watching it again, I can see and looking at her. Like you said, she's in a suit and her hair is up, and she's looking significantly more formal um, than the the woman in the um, driver's seat. She's also the one who uses the lingo who says Um So she's the one who kind of pitches the you know yeah. the actual names of, of whatever it is that the you know whatever StabiloTrack is. Um, so, so I can, I can understand like where that kind of comes from the familiarity and the comfort level and the repetitive use of crazy and insane. I, it, it just, it it strikes me that they have a limited vocabulary to talk about cars, period.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it it is, if you were to stick any other product in that commercial, you could think that they were talking about a curling iron or a milkshake or you know anything else but non-technical i mean right. it's just it's just so incredibly generic their their dialogue is boiled down to like junior high conversation
0: right exactly like like what's the base that we can have this conversation with what's the base descriptor we can have this conversation with that's going to stick so people are going to walk away from the Chevy commercial thinking the Chevy Cruze is crazy yeah and and i don't i don't get like in terms of if This is aimed, I'm assuming, in general terms at my demographic, at women who are, you know, of a certain age who are buying a car. I'm not going to look at this commercial and go, I want to go buy a crazy Chevy.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: I don't don't see what it is like, okay, so it's crazy safe because
1: it's got airbags. I mean, I just don't. They tout three things in the commercial, highway mileage and airbags and the traction control, which are all basically economical and safety issues that, you know, honestly, a woman... The type of woman they seem to be portraying uh, would be interested in. Right. Well, and men could be interested in as well.
0: It's not that it's, you know, it's just something that's aimed at women. But but what is aimed at women is often, especially in car commercials and car advertisements, safety is huge. Like, it's a huge emotion that they play on. For women yes. to buy cars, they they want they want to build on that. You want to be safe when you're driving, and as opposed to men who when they when they sell cars to men, generally the advertisements make are about power and about um, you know they're not going to be talking about airbags and traction control in advertisements aimed at men. Car advertisements aimed at men.
1: And I I, I want to be examine this as well as we as we look at these commercials, but the the reason that advertising is is such an enormous business is because number 1 there is a modicum of truth that they are playing off of oh sure there's you know th- these are really
0: you know things that you'd want your car to have
1: right but then they interpret that and then they they project stereotypes but while trying to meet the the, the correct demographic yeah, well, and that and that's how they they instill definitions on us right. as we sit there and watch it. Right, and je- and
0: basically the idea here is that women are incapable of talking about cars in any real way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, yeah, because if all you're all you're going to be able to do is you know, as our 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 buyer says, you know, I was going to say crazy again, you know, if that's the only word she has to describe the features of the car that she's looking at. You know, all that portrays to me is a very limited consumer. Yeah. And and I think a lot of women, I hope, at least a lot of women, are are more savvy consumers when they're looking at things like cars and any any kind of major purchase they're making, really.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just have a hard time with um with chevy's interpretation of what a woman's conversation is like
0: right and so and, and is that what it is that about it that that sort of stuck in your in your bonnet about it that that it was yeah the way I mean, the they were conversation t- was yeah
1: they were they were using words and talking like a couple of high schoolers right right oh it's like crazy i, I know God. Like totally gag me with a spoon.
0: Oh wait, that oh, was wow. Way... That comes from
1: way back. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's look at our um, let's look at our positive commercial, and I have to say that, that if somebody else has seen this before, and there may have been, but. If so, it is on such a rare occasion that this really stuck out at me. But I saw a a brawny paper towel commercial recently. Um, It's their pick a size commercial. Mm -hmm. And it's like the normal brawny commercial. It's set in the kitchen with the kids making a mess and the parent cleaning it up. But in this one, the parent was a man. Right. It was the dad. It was a dad, and he was doing everything, anything that any other normal parent might be doing in the kitchen with the kids. The baby's in the the um, high okay. chair, mm-hmm. and they're mixing up cookies, and the kid wants to help, and all of that stuff, except that it's a dad. Right, right. And I just thought that was so fantastic. He looked wonderful. He looked Um, He looked positive. There was a very positive image about him as, you know, a good dad and a good consumer. I was like, this is a really good image.
0: Yeah, I love the moment where um, the older daughter wants to hold the mixer. They're actually making pancakes, um, uh, which is important for one of my observations about the ad. But um, they're making pancakes and uh, the daughter, the older daughter says, um, you know, dad, it's my turn to, to hold the mixer. And he moves the, he's like, okay, now just hold it steady. And she's like, I know. And uh, then he moves the baby back and he moves all the, you know, moves everything out of the way because he knows that there's just no way this is going to be tidy. Uh, Yeah, I just love that moment. And then, of course, she Mm -hmm. spills the, you know, the pancake batter all over the place. Um, But what was interesting to me is at the end of the commercial, the daughter is carrying um, a tray breakfast in bed tray out oh. of the of the kitchen. That's right. And she's got a flower, and then, you know, the joke is, that, of course, that she tips the flower over and the water spills, you know, on yeah. the floor. So it's another brawny, you know, cleanup example. But but essentially, it's, it's serving the other parent breakfast in bed. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting uh, way to kind of wrap up the commercial because it acknowledges that there's another parent in the house. Yeah. As yeah. as opposed to as opposed to this isn't a single dad who's doing this. This is a dad who is preparing breakfast for the other parent. And we don't see the other parent, so the other parent could be, you know, it's assumed with, you know, heteronormative assumptions that it's the mom that the, you know, that the breakfast is being brought to, but it could be another yeah, you know, partner. They don't say. They don't say. There's no indication there, which was really nice. I'm like, this is good. I it's, like that. It's not an over the top um, Mother's Day commercials because we know how no. those go, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: It's definitely not.
0: So there's an acknowledgement that there is another parent that the breakfast is being prepared for, um, which I, which I thought is fantastic as well. So, so there is, you know, th- this is still here. This, this is still playing off this, you know, is, are they bringing, you know, breakfast in bed? So, um, that also sort of added in for me, um, a, a depth that it might not mm-hmm. have had had it just ended with a, you know, brawny logo or whatnot. I would, it wouldn't have had the same sort of impact, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's something else that we'll we'll discover is the reason why I'm really glad to... to we're, we're blind talking about these commercials and just sending them to each other and, mm-hmm. and evaluating them on the air. But, I mean, sometimes uh, advertisers have 30 seconds. Right.
0: It's a short amount of time they have to make a big impact in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so
1: th- they have definitely mastered the art of communicating, which is part of the reason why I like advertisements mm-hmm. is how succinctly can you boil down your message and communicate it as quickly as possible and it's stick right right and the other thing I noticed which I, I don't know how to evaluate it whatsoever but the exact same scene that you mentioned where the oldest child says daddy daddy it's my turn Mm -hmm. she says daddy three times Mm -hmm. i think that's important yes the the repetition because
0: because like you said it's 30 seconds so every time you have a word that's mm-hmm. repeated. You know that that advertiser is trying to capitalize on that word. They really yes. want you to pay attention to whatever that word is. So it was really important in this ad that it be paid attention to that it was Dad who was yeah. who was helping to make the pancakes. Again, that also ties back to our previous commercial with the three times that no, actually one, two, three, four times they say crazy. Yeah. In the in the car commercial. Um, which makes me wonder if the writers of the commercial think women are crazy, and then that's their sort of projection into the.
1: Yeah, these. I mean, we for if it wasn't a Chevrolet commercial, what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't a Chevrolet commercial, you could you could almost say that the words were by accident, but not mm-hmm. when you're spending that much money. The the words they pick out are hashed over ad nauseum to right. pick the right word. Right, right, and and and. When you have,
0: as you said, 30 seconds to make an impression. Even less, because we didn't finish listening to the rest of the commercial. So that was really 20 seconds that they were making the impression with that dialogue. You know, they had that short amount of time to catch that dialogue. So the fact that crazy is said four times, insane is said twice. So to boil down what we have, we don't even have 50 words here. We have 30 words in the whole dialogue of this interaction. Yeah. And to have those words be, I mean... They want you to leave the commercial thinking Chevy crazy, crazy Chevy, which has kind of, you know, a little bit of alliteration kind of going on with it. But at the same time, if you are an analytical person looking at the ad, you're like, I don't want a crazy car. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I don't want to buy a car from somebody who thinks I'm crazy because I'm a (laughs) woman. So yeah, (laughs) if you thought Chevy, you were hitting your marketplace with... (laughs) Your crazy attempt at getting attention. You got our attention, but definitely not in a good way.
1: So. Well, we're going, um, I think we're going to have plenty of fodder for this segment. So um, we hope you guys enjoy it. And if you find any commercials that we need to pay attention to, be sure and send it to us. You can find our social media links on our website. We are on Twitter and Facebook. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: One of our listeners, Keith Ross, posted a couple of Wonder Woman videos on our Facebook page, and we wanted to take some time today to talk about these videos and sort of compare and contrast them, because they're two approaches to a very beloved character, at least for me, and I think for Rhonda as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So these are um, two Wonder Woman videos, one that came out just recently and one I think that's been out a little while. Uh, So one is from DC Nation. Um, It's a Wonder Woman series. There's three parts to it Um, from Cartoon Network. So it's an animated series. Robbery Valley is the artist for DC Nation's Wonder Woman series uh, on Cartoon Network, which I guess is a Saturday morning kid series. Yes. I had never heard of this. and, And we'll talk a little bit more about it as we get in there. And then the other was a piece that just debuted this week. Uh, from rainfall films uh, wonder woman short uh, directed by sam balcom and uh, his quote about it is i think quite a few of you will agree that wonder woman is a character wonder woman as a character is just as vital and crucial to our understanding of humanity as is any
1: other superhero if not more so so that's his
0: sort of take on on the short piece that he put together
1: yeah and he worked on that i I read a little bit. He worked, they worked on that film for over a year. I believe it. It's uh. it's not a, it doesn't have insignificant
0: production value. Let's just put it that way.
1: No, no. It's live action. Mm-hmm, it's live action. Um, yep. But the, um, let's start with the DC Nation one, the animation. What did you think of that? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought, I liked the
0: stylistic nature of the, um, the cartoon itself. Um, mm-hmm. The sort of overextended faces and overextended bodies with sort of long limbs and sort of crazy proportions. Um, instead of being in a flying jet, as we have always known Wonder Woman to be in, um, this Wonder Woman is in a um, sports car.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a 70s tot rod. It's got yeah. a tail fin and yeah. the, the back's jacked up. Man, I would drive it. Oh my god! It's so awesome. <laughs> I totally drive that car. Car is so fantastic.
0: <laughs> and the license plate is Princess. Oh, it's just
1: it's a wonderful car. It was car.
0: it was great, and it did as Keith uh, noted when he posted it on the Facebook page. Um, it does sort of call attention to the absurd nature of an invisible vehicle, just in general, because there are there is a cut there is a scene in the middle of it where she turns it invisible, but you can still see her yes. driving and floating in air. So, which is just kind of funny, I thought.
1: Yeah, that kind of confused me, but um, there, I mean, there's no doubt. I absolutely adore the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it is a really Fresh approach to uh, a mo- a modern cartoon, but at the same time it has this retro feel to it, just yeah. like in the w- with the style of the car, mm-hmm. sort of a seventies kind of retro feel. Right, or the, 60s.
0: the animation feels that way too. Like y- yeah, you could uh, that, which is one of the reasons why I didn't know it was sort of a current series because I was like, well, this is really interesting. I wonder how I missed this in all my years of looking at Wonder yeah. Woman stuff. Well, but it's new, so <laughs> that's why I missed it so I I felt a little better learning that Um, I like the stylized image I love that she is just sassy I mean Mm -hmm. sassy and strong and petulant I love that she's not white (laughs) that she's got some sort of uh, dark-skinned descent going on I think that that's great too because I think if we look at Amazons it might be a little darker skinned than we're used to seeing in terms of Wonder Woman so
1: yeah
0: I love that as well
1: well, I just I don't I don't see Wonder Woman in it. You don't see Wonder she Woman d- in it. Well it's more like She doesn't do anything. Well There's nothing Wonder Woman like in it except the invisible car. Oh. I don't I know. I mean, she doesn't exhibit anything except just some really snazzy driving. But she was rescuing a guy. Yeah. Which is kind of Wonder Woman's thing.
0: The no, damsel that- in distress in reverse. The dude in distress. Yeah. I don't know, and I, I only just, watched the first part, so I don't, I didn't watch the rest of them, so I don't know if, if that continues. But it was sort of, it was only what two and a half minutes long.
1: Yeah, it's a very, it's very short. Yeah, um, and I actually, I, I couldn't find a whole lot of information on the, um, the DC Nation mm-hmm. series, which I wanted to learn more about. That right now there are three episodes out there. I don't know if it's a, con- you know, an if endless series or yeah. that's it. And I did, I think I did watch the second one, but I just, I just don't feel like, I feel like that that could have been Anybody in that car? Mm. So it didn't
0: have enough of sort of the traditional Wonder Woman tropes associated with it, Mm-mm. storytelling modes and storytelling
1: methods yeah.
0: associated with it.
1: That's and there was of, go ahead. There's one scene where the car stops. I th- I believe it's when she slings the door open and knocks the guy down, and she hops out. And then the the other two women are pursuing them. And when you turn the to look at them, it is nothing but two crotches. Oh. I and that. I was just like, whoa, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I understand you they're trying to portray that they are taller, right? Than she is than and she than, is, yeah. the man is. But it was the eye level. I, I don't know how they could have improved it because when right. they're doing the long limbs and right. stuff like right. that and they basically they didn't have skirts on. They were basically wearing just like briefs.
0: Mm. Yeah, I didn't and so I didn't notice you, that.
1: You can't hit mm-hmm like the end of their skirt or the end of their shorts or the top of, you know, thigh-high boots or anything. It's just all you can do is go to their crotch. Right, so, right. It's weird. Interesting.
0: I, I My reading of it was, and one of the reasons why I think I liked it so much, was I because sh- she was princess, and that's what they called her, I thought of her more as like um, a juvenile version of Wonder Woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think so. Which I, which I liked as well because I think that, one of the things that would make a strong Wonder Woman movie would be seeing how she kind of comes to be who she is Mm -hmm. because we don't really have a lot in terms of, we have a little bit about origin stories about her, but we don't have any, you know, when she shows up in the, the, the series, the Linda Carter series of the 70s, she's already established as who she is. Yeah, And she's, you know, she's, where she is and she's doing... She's already... you know like She's just an established character at that point. So yeah. I would really like to see something that sort of delves more into where she came from.
1: Yeah, I love the... And I think the the, the car mm-hmm. helps set that demographic. I right. mean, she's like, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old in, in the hot rod and she's having a good time and she's fearless. Right. And she is v- discovering herself and she's very alert and ready for any challenge. Right. I like, I like that target demographic. Yeah, I do too, because I like what that's portraying in terms of the the
0: audience, you know, the readership who's watching it. Yeah. I love when girls are that, you know, strong and portrayed as knowing who they are. And uh, for that reason, I think I liked it as well. And now that I know that it's a Cartoon Network show, that makes it even more powerful for me because mm-hmm. it is aimed at that, that demographic. So...
1: Well, what about the um, the rainfall films short, the live action piece? Well, I thought and it was. I forget how long it was. It was not long either. It was. It
0: was. I'm guessing. I'm trying to remember. I think it was three minutes, but I'm going to say safely yeah. under five.
1: It was under. Yeah, it was definitely. Under it was
0: five. definitely under five minutes. Um, I thought it was beautiful
1: visually. I just thought it was absolutely gorgeous. It. it I tell you what. It just hit every note for me. Hmm. I have been trying to think for, for, for two or three years now because I've been thinking about the Wonder Woman character and they were trying to do a Wonder Woman movie and do right. a new TV show. And the thing that's always bugged me about the characters, her costume, mm-hmm. and then trying to, to come up with a new design for that costume. Oh my God, they did such a great
0: job. They did. Her costume is absolutely stunning. I love the, um, the skirt The layered skirt that she has with the stars on it as opposed to uh, Star Spangled Briefs. Um, I think that that's really and it actually calls back to I don't you might not know quite as much about the early cartoons or the early comics, but she actually wore a skirt in the first several years. I don't even know if it was years, but they didn't become briefs right away she was wearing a skirt in the first versions of wonder woman so i feel like that's an acknowledgement of where she sort of came from and her creation as well which i really like that they're sort of nodding to to where she's come from
1: and yeah and and at the same time i feel like that they have a understanding that those those briefs just look ridiculous well yeah I've always had a problem with those briefs, and I and what's even funnier is they kept the same bodice mm-hmm. neckline mm-hmm. on this outfit, which I despise as well. But oh my god, they did such a great job with yeah. it. Yeah, well, it's the
0: the muted colors, you know. It's um, it's kind of got a steampunk, you know, brandished metal feel to it.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't look like that she is squeezing out of it. (laughs) It looks like a piece of armor. And at the same time, it looks like uh, a uniform. It looks like um, protective gear. And she looks like a superhero. Right. It
0: communicates what we need it to communicate. And and let's be honest, the briefs don't look good on the men either. Oh, no. Like the super no, no, tight, no. you know, Superman outfits and, you know, um, Green Lantern and some of the other ones who have even the Flash who end up with like little, you know, briefs. Ugh. They they don't look good on anybody. No. <laughs> no. So if we can get everybody away from those, that would be great. Even Batman. Yeah, I'm sorry. Awesome. But, you know, we can get away from all that. That would be great. The story of the film. I don't even know. Is there any dialogue in it? No there's not there's just music and uh, and this and all of the action is in slow motion yes,
1: which I wasn't
0: particularly fond of but
1: I, I thought it was really good and but simply because of the fact that slow motion should only be done in short spurts anyway right and to do the entire thing in slow motion and not throw me out mm-hmm. the, the one of the things that I've been noticing in films lately is in the action scenes. Mm-hmm. They are done really, really fast, and there's a lot of hard cuts and right. jiggling of the camera. Dynamic editing. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. see anything that's going on. And this, this scene is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the action is so beautiful, and um, their creative palette that I just... I enjoy absorbing every minute where her arm is, where her her, uh, her legs are, you know, what she's holding in her hands. I get to stop and look at every bit of that. Mm-hmm. And you've got to give credit to the actors as well. Right. Because the... that really puts the
0: spotlight on them. Yeah. The the actress who's playing Wonder Woman is Riley Vanderbilt. Um oh, yeah. Okay. So she's she's the one who's playing Wonder Woman. Yeah. So yeah, and and she she does a and and then with the action scenes she really does do a beautiful job with the Mm -hmm. the fighting and the kicking and the yeah the destroying of.
1: Did you have any issues with the the video? Of course. Do I ever not have issues with things? (laughs) I thought that was me. (laughs) Well, really, it's
0: both of us. There are some times when I I tend to to focus more on my celebratory aspects of it. I really I really liked her. I really liked the costume. I wasn't as big of a fan. I wasn't as into the slow motion, I think, as you were. Um, Mm -mm. She looked too much like Linda Carter for me. I'm sorry. Like her face. Oh. It it didn't transcend what's been done in terms of of what she looks like. Um, Yeah. They should have done something with her hair. They should have done something with her hair. There should have been something that made her look less. Like all I kept thinking was. And she didn't have a fierce enough expression for me for what she was doing she mm-hmm. looked too passive in her face and to be in slow motion yeah you know the body was beautiful the choreography of the scenes was fantastic and i can i can step back as a dancer and appreciate the grace that went into being able to do that even in slow motion because you still have to have the original movements to be able to create it in slow motion but her face just didn't do it for me she did not have the power and presence that i want my wonder woman to have
1: i'll i'll concede that thank you (laughs) because i think that because i think that that is what what they lose Mm -hmm. with doing it all in slow motion because you can't you can't make those expressions and keep a beautiful face right exactly and because
0: the 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 focus so much of the time was on her expression it Mm -hmm. had to have that fluidity that went with the motions that she was making and so and i can understand the trade-off but for me that just lost the power of what I want Wonder Woman
1: to be. Yeah, that's a that's a good argument for that they should have dropped out of slow motion, so. Yeah,
0: at least on a couple of moments where I could, yes. you know, kind of pull back from it and get out of it and see the more intense, you know, sense of who she is. I want her to be that powerful ass-kicking mm-hmm. female superhero that we all want Wonder Woman to be and to constantly have this sort of this expression that just didn't hold any of that for me. So yeah. So no, that's a good argument for me. That made the whole thing fall flat. It, it just, it just took me out of the moment of, I really wanted it to be beautiful. I saw, I had seen her costume. I had seen other stills of it before I had seen the video. And I was really excited to go watch the video. And then I watched it and I'm like, damn,
1: that, yeah. that totally and, lost me. And you know, me. now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think that they changed anything about the crown. No, they didn't. Yeah, and her hair and
0: her crown, and even and they changed the colors of the um, wrist guards, but not the style of them. Oh, I thought the wrist guards looked pretty cool. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I think they looked cool too. I just wanted. I wanted it to be. I don't know. I just wanted something a little bit more from that. I guess.
1: If they had, if they had done something with the hair, Mm -hmm. that there is a there was a definite disconnect there because the the costume design. Was phenomenal, right? And then to throw that old wig on her, right? The hair oh, that was geez. Linda
0: Carter's and the the headpiece that was Linda Carter's as well. So from the neck up, she was she she was Linda Carter, or you know, yeah. attempting to be Linda Carter. And nobody can do that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we don't need that anymore. Exactly. I mean, she broke that ground. Exactly. That's been that's been done, and that's who we know. And if we are going to have a new Wonder Woman, I really want her to to be something new. I don't want her to have that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's her time. It, it is, it is. And and I think, you know, we're ready. I think, you know, there's so many articles on the internet talking about, you know, what can be done and should we have it. And we had, you know, um, Christy from uh, uh, Wonder Women documentary on talking mm-hmm. about how important and how potent of a character she is. You know, we're ready for her. So, I, but, but I don't want her to be... I don't want her to be Ian McKellen, not Ian McKellen, um, Ian McGruger in Star Wars trying to be Alec Guinness. Yeah. You know, I don't want that. And that's what I felt like that. That just brought the whole thing down for me. So, and I don't know if I'm too, like, focused on it and I missed kind of the bigger picture of it, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get into the rest of it because I felt that way about it.
1: Well, considering... The the ways that they have tried to bring back one or woman. Oh God! This is one of the best examples I've seen in a long time. Oh, and I for wholeheartedly a small agree. small company. Yeah, I wholeheartedly. Independently agree. to do this yep. It's like okay. Everybody else, pay attention. Right. I. I because yeah. they are on the right track.
0: I can totally back that. I can I yeah. can totally support. This has been you know when they were doing the uh, I never saw the pilot. Thank God that they did with um oh god who's the guy who produces all the uh Boston legal David something or other? Oh I don't know um anyway so he produced the Wonder Woman pilot and she was in like jeggings like like yes. you know with the like boots that look like they were Uggs and oh my God, it was just atrocious. It was so bad. Um, that I just couldn't, I couldn't swallow it. I just could not believe how bad it was. And, and, you know, and there are plenty of attempts like that where it's like, oh, this is close, but not quite. Um, this, that's why I said the style, the style of the, the look of it, the look of, um, the, the world itself, the colors and the way that it was shot. I can back all of that. I can – I even yeah. back the – the. you know, they were going back and forth. If you haven't seen the video, you need to go watch it. Um, there will be links on the site. Um, but they went back and forth between her fighting with her sisters and her fighting on her own sort of in modern times. So going back and forth between the Amazons and the Knot. And I, I love the look of everything between the two worlds and how it looked. It mm-hmm. just – it, just because of the, those, you know, what her face looked like, and and that, like you said, the hair and the way it looked like Linda Carter, <sighs> yeah. that was just a disappointment for me. So, yeah, well, yeah, I'll promise t- it uh, has
1: promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, I give a thumb up to Rainfall Films and their Wonder Woman short. Um, you've been listening to Game On, Girl. Coming up next, we're going to discuss: Does Pac Man have a narrative?
0: Extra Credits posted a link to a comic on SMBC, a Saturday morning breakfast cereal. It's about how old school video games had a narrative. And it was really fantastic because it's essentially a kid saying to his dad, you know, I don't know why you liked old school video games because they didn't have story or ambiance at all. And he launches into this narrative about how Pac-Man is really this Kafka-esque story of a of a disembodied mouth that has only the desire to eat (laughs) (laughs) and i just thought it was fantastic and i mean you know it doesn't end there he's got a whole like oh yeah script for how the ghosts work and how and why they're chasing pac-man and how they feel drawn to him but they can't actually like embrace what he's doing because the ghost can no longer eat and just it was just it was really brilliant yeah, it really, it
1: really. I was expecting like a, a a three panel comic, and it just kept going. It's like, man, this guy's got a narrative. Yeah,
0: I mean that was that was. And if you haven't done that before, I could see how it might look a little crazy. But as Rhonda and I both acknowledged when we started prepping for the show, it's something that we've both done.
1: Yeah, I, I rarely sit down, especially to a game that's something like Minesweeper or Angry Birds, and do not play a narrative in my head as I'm doing it. Yeah. When there's not a, when there's not a strong or obvious narrative involved, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I do the same thing.
0: I do the same thing. So let's tell a couple of our stories. So do you have a game that sort of jumps to mind that is like a story game that didn't have a story associated with it
1: uh, yeah and i i really outside of pong i don't know another one as benign and storyless as minesweeper <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and right. i i enjoyed playing that when back when you used to get um first bought the pc laptops i mean you always got solitaire, solitaire on there and, and then yeah. you started getting minesweeper mm-hmm and I hate that game by the way (laughs) you hated it I hate it (laughs) well I would say it to save my life (laughs) I I really got into it but only because it was a really good uh mindless time killer Mm. if you just needed to go out there and just kind of mess around with a game and not have a huge level of commitment right but as I'm playing it There is definitely something going on, because if if you're unfamiliar with Minesweeper, basically you're presented with an enormous grid of blocks, and you're told that under a certain number of the blocks are bombs, and if you click on one of the blocks and it happens to be a bomb, you're blown up and you lose. Right, end of game. So, yeah, so the goal is to uncover all of the blocks except the bombs, Mm Mm-hmm. Well, when I'm playing it, I'm an international spy. (laughs) And I'm wearing all black, especially a black turtleneck, very Emma Peel, Mm -hmm. And I am in a, a building, a giant maze full of doors. And I have got to find all of the mines that they have set out for me or get around the mines because I've got to uncover the floor plan of this building. So that we can find the, the bad guy and defeat mm. him. Interesting. interesting. Yes. And whenever they blow me up, it's just like, oh, no, my <laughs> spy is like James Bond. My spy does not die. <laughs> so it, I, I, th- I find that very interesting that without consciously doing it i'm playing a narrative in my head
0: right right that it's just sort of a natural part of what you're approaching the game with um it's it's kind of like the idea of um if you've ever stared at a at a screen of um static on a tv Mm -hmm. that you'll start seeing images eventually yeah it's basically the same idea where the human mind wants to find logic in what's going on. Um, yeah. So it's basically the same idea because, I mean, you're right, that Minesweeper really does have, like, absolutely no narrative to it. You don't have no. a person. There's no avatar. There's no nothing. There's just you clicking on little gray squares, which is part of the reason why I always thought it was so dreadfully boring. Um,
1: <laughs> you're right. There's there's no there's No. identity. No. In that game at no, all? No, there's nothing. There's nothing
0: except, and I think there are leaderboards, right? Doesn't it keep track of, like, how far along you go or how many? Oh, I, I don't I don't know. I don't or, or there might have been something like that, I think, at one point in time. I might just be imagining that. Um, But that basic idea of it's keeping track of how well you're doing or how many times you can play a board or how many boards you can play. But anyway... Um, you could also, you know, do the same kind of story and have it be you are an adventurer or you are cleaning up after a war and you're trying to find all of the the landmines that have been left behind from the war. I mean, you know, you could go definitely many different places mm-hmm. with it, even though it just gives you kind of the barest bones.
1: Well, what about you? Pick a game and, and give us your your uh, mental
0: Narrative. Well, the one that I thought of was an old Atari game that I spent quite a few hours um, playing. There are actually two now that I'm thinking about it that came to mind that I had stories for. Um, the first one that I thought of was Pitfall. Okay. Um, which, you know, does have a character and does have, you know, sort of at least enough, you know, graphics. So I guess you could create, you could more easily create a story for it. But I was always that adventurer. Like, even though it the character had masculine um, sort of, characteristics that was sort of my first Lara Croft and in my mind I was the explorer I was you know the Indiana Jones because I loved the Indiana Jones movies when I was a kid those were among my favorite to watch on um a very antiquated um system of recording things off your TV, which I won't even mention, because half of our listeners probably have never (laughs) heard of it before. Um, But the, you know, afternoon movies for me were often Star Wars and, and um, Indiana Jones. And I told my mom, you know, I want to be an (laughs) archaeologist. After watching um, Indiana Jones, and she's like, "Well, I hate to break it to you, Regina, but probably most of the world will be explored by the time you're old enough. Oh, <laughs> to bar. be an archaeologist, so I was like, oh, that's sad, but at least I can have this like little fantasy about it. Um, and, and so that was that was who, who I was. I was you know, a female version of Indiana Jones playing pitfall. Oh, cool. And that's what I was looking for, the big treasure. And Mm -hmm. um, and that was always the thing for me. It was like, okay I have bad guys, even though you never saw bad guys chasing you in Pitfall. There were always bad guys who were just off the screen, who were coming after me, who are trying to get me, who are trying to get to the treasure that I needed to get to for whatever reason I needed to get to it before them just to get to that before them. So that was the narrative that I sort of created. And even though I was looking at a male avatar, I was still I was still, you know, it was a female version of that. I think I might have even had a name for her at one point, but I don't remember what it was. (laughs) Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) The other one I was thinking of was an Atari game called Kaboom.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember
0: playing Kaboom? That was one of my favorites. That you slid back and forth, and you had to catch the bombs and the water yeah. that you had before the mad bomber. And that was, you know, me again as the hero, um, trying to rescue, you know, the whole city from these bombs that were being dropped by this madman, who was trying to kill <laughs> everybody in the city. And um, even though it wasn't a very big screen, I was imagining that he was at the top of like a skyscraper, and that I was catching the bombs from him oh, dropping them yeah. in a skyscraper on the city landscape, even though there was none of that that you could actually see in that game at that time.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope our listeners Think back on these these young, uh, very old games that I used to play, and think about you know what was going through your mind when you were playing. We really love it when you guys send us uh, news articles and comic strips and videos like we've gotten today. They're always wonderful. I, um, Regina and I do a lot of research online, but there's no way that we could ever find all this great stuff without you guys. Yeah, you
0: guys are our best resources. So thanks for that.
1: Well, we want to um, wrap up the show with our segment on what we've been watching, reading, and playing, and geekdom. Regina, what have you been watching this week? Well, I see that we both have the same show listed
0: as our first show. Yep. Yes, we've both been watching the new episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Yay! Yay! I know, not all geeks are fans of The Big Bang Theory,
1: but I'm delighted to have it come back. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fairly benign Sitcom. I don't. I. I, I don't know. If, uh, it gives great. It gives us some great fodder about uh, gender it things. It does. They do. They do. And
0: and I love. That's one of the things that I, I think is fun is sort of watching them sort of go with the gender stereotypes and kind of uh, unpack and give us things that we can either complain or discuss on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always concerned because I have. I, I'm concerned when shows run too long um, because. Oh yeah. When you have writers that have like that spark that gets this like great creative group together you just know they can't maintain it and so i always like start a new season of a show i really love with this like hesitant excitement yeah especially after they've gone over 5 seasons cuz my whole 5 season theory <laughs> right right so this is the start of season 7 and i'm kind of like
1: no way season 7 yeah yeah season 7 oh lord yeah Yep. Well, I think that they, I think they rejuvenated themselves, though, when they brought the women and made them in yes. more, ma- more of the main characters. Yes, when they started making, and, and because now they
0: have uh, they have more directions that they can go with the stories. Yes. They can put the women together, they can put the men together, they can put a combination of them together. And that's part of what we see, and I won't give too much away, because I know that a lot of people watch shows after they've, they've aired or they go online and see them. So I won't give too much away about what happens. But we know at the end of the season before this that Leonard is left to go on a trip with Stephen Hawking or for Stephen Hawking to do some research for him and it leaves um, Sheldon and Penny alone, you know, living alone in each apartment across the hall from each other now. So they end up spending a lot more time together, which was a really great way to start the season mm-hmm. out, because very we don't see those two characters together very often. And because of this, we get to see them, and we get to see them interact, and we get to see how their relationship has changed and grown as they've been on their own without Leonard, who is acknowledged in some earlier episodes as sort of the social glue for the group. Yeah. Um, and how they managed to kind of hold themselves together without him. And I thought that was a really brilliant way to sort of bring us back into talking about our characters. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, changing up those partnerships, like you said, the, mm-hmm. the, the grouping. Yeah,
0: because they do it too, because they have a scene with um, Bernadette and Amy together.
1: Ah, oh, that's great. It was, and, great. And it was it,
0: about time that happened. It was about time that happened, because it would, it socially makes sense that they would have yes. a strong friendship together, because they are both women scientists. Yes. And they have more in common than they have with Penny, but Penny is the social glue between all three of them. So it was really nice to see them have their kind of time alone and have an episode that was the two of them focused together. So kudos to the writers for breaking out of tropes because that is what kills sitcoms is when you do the same thing over and over again. Um, So I'm glad that they were conscious of that and they kind of broke out of that. So that was good. Some other things I've been watching. um, Season eight of How I Met Your Mother just came on Netflix yesterday. So I will not say how many episodes i watched since I (laughs) found out it's available. So I'm trying to get through this season. So hopefully I can catch up on the current episodes. So um, so I'm in season eight and I'm enjoying that. Um, I was watching Dancing with the Stars, unfortunately. Sigh. Bill Nye was kicked off. Oh Just sad, but okay, because he had like a devastating knee injury. Oh, like he ripped the ligaments in his <gasps> knee. To the point oh, where the doctor wow. was like, you should be in a wheelchair. If you're going to try to dance, you should be dancing in a wheelchair. You should not be on this knee at all.
1: Oh, man. So
0: it was probably really good for him that he, you know, but, but he's a, he was such a big personality. And he was so great in terms of like just his energy and the effort that he was giving. Because he danced even though he was dancing with a knee immobilizer. So his oh, choreographer made a dance that made it so that he didn't have to move his knee.
1: Oh, good Lord.
0: Which was insane. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, as the judges said, it didn't have a whole lot of content
1: in terms, <laughs> in terms of him dancing,
0: which was true. But considering the injury he had gone through.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: I, I, I can, I can pull some respect for that. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. What, oh. So what about
0: you? So you've been watching The Big Bang Theory, too. What else has been on
1: here? Well, a couple of the um, the more significant new shows was the Michael J. Fox show and the crazy ones. Okay. And this was a, this was a a good head to head because they, they both star, um, some wonderful comedic actors, um, just wonderful character actors, Michael J. Fox and Robin Williams. Right. Um, the, the Michael J. Fox show, unfortunately was a huge disappointment. Um, he, he had some, some very good one liners, but i i have a feeling this show is suffering from uh, too big of a cast. Oh, well that could be. Yeah. I mean there's just an enormous number of people and personalities and i'm not quite sure why there's so many people. Mm-hmm. Um but it they just didn't seem like especially in that one episode like they could gel everything together because they had him at home being mr mom and then they had him at work and then they had him here and they had him there and it's like golly i too two all something, over the place. stick this stuff together right yeah and the usually the best scenes were of him in bed with his wife talking mm. and so interesting yeah I, I i uh i hope they can they catch on to that right i just i just think they've got too much going on now contrary to that the crazy ones did not disappoint um it hit all the notes um sarah michelle geller yay glad to have you back right that's one Um, i need to make sure to check out i saw an ad for it and i couldn't remember what it was called yeah i am very very glad to see her doing she's playing more of a Um, codependent a little bit more of not passive but she's definitely in the second chair Hmm. and at the same time um, she subordinates herself and she has to do embarrassing things and that's a really different character for her yeah yeah definitely and I think she did great awesome I think she I think she did great and I don't think that Uh, robin williams overpowers the show there are other strong characters on there so uh, kudos to them that's good and kind of amazing because that's kind of his shtick (laughs) it is but i think he's matured that's good um, in in a cast Mm -hmm. quite well Mm -hmm. and so well i will look forward to
0: checking that out with your recommendation so what have you been reading do you want to guess
1: oh (laughs)
0: You must be having so much fun. <laughs> I'm still reading uh, the House of Night series. Um, I'm on book seven. I'm almost actually finished with book seven. I think I have like 30 pages of book seven left, and I have two or three more. I think I have two more to catch up on to get to um, the new one that comes out this month actually comes out in two weeks. So yeah. um, I've been really I, – I'm I, as I said last week in the book before this one, We start to get multiple narrators, and I was having some impatience with that structure in that book because of the I felt like I was dragging through some of the story. Um, Right. And it's also like I said, I've read the series before. So it's one of those things where I know what's coming. So, um, and that continues through the rest of the books. There's multiple narrators. But when I got to this book, I found myself much more patient with the multiple narrators because it wasn't there were only two really dominant narrators in the last book. And this one has like three or four. So we're seeing several different people's points of view and often points of view on their sides of the same events. Oh, cool. Uh, which I love. I always love oh, yeah, that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I really love writing that kind of does that and shows, okay, so this is how this happened for this character and this is what's going on and this is what's happening to another character. So one of the interesting components of the House of Night series is when, when a vampire feeds from a human, um, they will create what's called an imprint where they will be psychically bonded to each other. Uh-huh. And so that's one of the things that kind of happens in this in this part of the series is there's two characters who become psychically bonded to each other. So you're seeing the events from the first person's point of view. And then in the next chapter, you're seeing it from the person that they're imprinted to. And so you're seeing oh, a, re- a reflection of the psychic um, awareness that's going on for the one character of the actual actions you just saw in the chapter before. It's really crafty storytelling. The mindset of the author sitting down to write both sides of those, man, that's tricky. Well, and keep in mind that this is a mother-daughter team. Oh, wow. So, and I have, I was actually thinking about that as I'm reading it. And I've, I've, I've kind of like had it in the back of my head before, but in this read through, I've been paying particular attention to kind of wondering where those lines are because like who writes what and how do they like work Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. out? Because I don't see a shift. I mean, even in the different, you see a shift in the different narrators and it could be that they each like specialize on different characters. I'm not sure. Like I would love I'd love to have them on the show, PC and Kristen Cast. if you ever happen to listen to a show, I'd love to have you on, to talk about that process, because I think it's fascinating. I've tried to have students write papers together before, and it's always a disaster. So I I wonder what it's like for them and how they kind of piece that together, because there's no, you don't have that sense in the narrative that all of a sudden somebody else is reading, or somebody else is writing. Like, you don't come to that point where you're like, oh, I just jumped from PC to Kristen. Like, you don't, there's no line there that shows that. And so they either have a really fantastic editor (laughs) or they have a really like strong sort of way that they
1: manage this together. So, anyway, so yeah. So, what have you been reading? Well, this is one of the very, very unusual times where I've actually got multiple books going. And Mm. typically that happens when I either I'm reading all nonfiction. Or I'm reading a fiction and one nonfiction. It's usually uh-huh. the only only way I can juggle something like that. And um, I'm taking I'm, I'm taking a Coursera course. These are um, online courses that you can take. Um, I wrote an article about it on uh, one of S- Sandy's blog posts about mm-hmm. all the different wonderful online courses you can take. Yeah. Um, and this one happens to be about comic book art. Nice. And the professor is an English literature professor, but obviously has an extreme passion with the literature in comic books. Um, his courses are extremely well done, uh, very thorough. I'm learning so much about how to just look at a comic book page. But there's he has a reading list and I just I eat up reading lists like crazy. And one <laughs> of the ones, if I get absolutely nothing else, out of this course, having the the thrill to read uh, "Fun Home," a family tragic comedy, uh, by Alison Bechtel, B E C H D E L. Yeah, um, uh, I think that she's the author who came up with the Betchel test,
0: which is uh, a oh, way yeah. to analyze um, uh, female characters in movies. Oh, okay. I think. Cool.
1: Yeah, uh, n- I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Extremely intelligent woman, but it's just. It's, it's one of those books that's just hard to explain. it's a, it's actually an experience. Um, it's beautiful and it's very well written and um, it's a it's basically an autobiography type story mm-hmm. um, Just love it. you've read it I have not read it no oh, I haven't okay. right. I haven't I haven't
0: read I' familiar with her, but
1: I'm familiar okay. with her with her and her writing and her yeah um, yeah. Oh, it's just a beautiful experience um the other one that i happen to throw on my my list and i've just i barely read the introductory chapter on it is um aisha tyler's self-inflicted wounds mm. um i just love the title and i've been listening to her podcast and she has a section at the end where she asks the guest about a self-inflicted wound story and the i got into her podcast sort of in the middle. So I don't know how the seven self-inflicted wounds came up. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even quite sure what the premise was, but each time she asked the guest, the guest tells either a physically or emotionally wounding story about themselves. And sometimes it's serious and sometimes it's, it's very comic. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't wait to get the, the book. And so I've just gotten started on it. Nice. Yeah. Very and nice, good.
0: very fun. Yeah, those so sound like great recommendations.
1: Um, now, are you playing anything different? Because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> You're still
0: playing Plants vs
1: Zombies too. <laughs> yeah, but I'm in. I'm I moved on to the Pirates. Ah, uh, excellent, excellent. And good. I'm blazing through that. Yeah. And right now, I'm just irritated because I have absolutely no keys, and oh. that's really making me mad. But oh, that sucks. Yeah, because sometimes it's about
0: kind of hanging on and waiting for things to show up. Yes. How yeah. did you like the zombies that? Um, come flying in by their heel. Oh, those were hilarious. And the first time I saw them, I'm like,
1: what is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was so fantastic. I just, I, I love the the creativity the of that. Eagles and, and... who are flying them in. And then the, yeah.
0: the level, um, I actually got to play the level, the first level where you have the cannon that you shoot at them. You shoot at uh-huh. them. Once I actually got to play that the first time at packs. Because um, I hadn't gotten far enough through the game at the point at that point, but that was a level that was open when I went to play at Pax, and I got a poster for um, Plants vs Zombies 2 poster. Oh wow! So playing that one, yeah, which I still have to get. I actually want to frame it, but um, but yeah, yeah, I like the pirate level. I like the um, I like the change they did with the board. Oh yeah, that was really great. The planks that are coming in because they they really did a great job, I think, of taking the standard game, and changing it enough so that it's challenging, but it's not too different from what mm-hmm. it originally was, which is a really fine line to walk when you're doing sequels.
1: Yeah, even if even if I weren't to play it anymore at this point, I, I would say that they did exactly what they needed to do in mm-hmm. a sequel. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I agree. It was dead on. Very yeah. good work. Except they have to get it onto the other platforms. <laughs> as soon as possible because yes. right now my iphone is just getting me by yeah exactly. seriously i'm
0: just exactly. not taking it yeah it's 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 and i'm glad i have the ipad to run it on because i get to play it with a slightly larger screen but it, i really do need it on my pc yep guys guys you see pop get to work on that please thanks PC. um yeah <laughs> so i have a game day planned in the next few days um getting together with my my board gaming group and we're doing a halloween themed board gaming day
1: Oh, great idea. is that a what's great idea? The, what's on the agenda? <laughs>
0: well, uh, Elder Scroll, Elder Signs is going to be on there. So, yep. Elder Signs. Um, so we're, I, mean, I think we're going to, we're trying to pick up the expansion, so we're going to try to get the expansion for that, because uh, we have the base game right now. Um, a game that my friend Eric gave me for Christmas a couple years ago called Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yes. Which we mm-hmm. actually played last week. I played with the same group of people on was what inspired this a Halloween gaming day so we're going to have all horror themed games um so we played that and we're going to play that again um I think we're going to take zombies um because that's a sort of horror film uh, Last Night on Earth as well so another option for it so everybody's yeah. sort of racking their brain for their horror games and we're going to all bring those and then play those for for our our early sort of Halloween game day so
1: gloom's
0: a good oh yeah i have cthulhu gloom i should bring that that would be good too and i need to remember i know people have seen some pictures i've had up of my little cthulhu stuffed cthulhu now (laughs) so he's my gaming buddy i need to remember to bring him with me because he'll be very appropriate the other the digital game i've been playing um is all your fault really (laughs) because you told sandy to play me in words with friends Oh, yeah. So I've started <laughs> playing Words with Friends again. And the problem is that there's a leaderboard now. Uh, oh. I didn't know that when I brought it up. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, my God, I must play more. I need to be higher on my leaderboard.
1: Oh, I didn't know. Yeah,
0: I didn't know either until I started playing. And and there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at the leaderboard for the total number of points you've had for the week or your average points per play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It is just, it, it. I'm like, oh man, I went. Your I, Achilles heel. It seriously is. I was like, oh no. So now I'm all like, oh, I must play this game more so that I can get more points on my leaderboard and I need to play better so I can get higher average points. So and Sandy kicks my little butt, I have to say. Oh, well, we're not we're not
1: surprised. Not
0: really terribly surprising. Um, She plays like I do. We're actually horrible people to play together. I think (laughs) Um, the last game that we finished, I think we only used two of the triple word score spots on the whole board. Uh-huh. because we can, we both are the kinds of players that mush all our words together and uh-huh. build off, you know, so like half of the board was unplayed. Oh, wow. By the time we came to the end of it. And she still beat me. I was ahead of her for like the whole game. And oh, she man. ended up going out at the end and beating me. And I was like, oh. <laughs> So anyway, she says, I'm having a really, you're not laughing. Yeah. You're, you're, (laughs) you're remembering gems with friends. I know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, now you know how it feels, Regina.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I think it gets to you more than it does me. (laughs)
0: I really, I, I'm actually really happy to play her because I know that we're playing at similar levels, similar ability yeah. levels. So it's oh, really- yeah. And I actually had a, a friend of the podcast, Grethade, who, um who is on the Noobcast podcast and website uh-huh. as a writer. So he, he messaged me on Twitter and he's like, can I start a Words with Friends game with you? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. And so he did and we got into it and um, I was pounding him um, into wow. rubble
1: help your leaderboard there yeah
0: a little bit and he's like how did i guess that this is how this game was going to go with you <laughs>
1: And I'm like,
0: he, he, asked. I, he asked he
1: did ask and
0: we did you know i i, I could have warned you but you know sort of playing to my strengths here so yeah it was fun
1: <laughs> well you can tell we have a lot of a lot of fun in our geekdom let us know how you've been geeking out this week you can find all our social media contacts on our website we're on twitter and facebook You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website, GameOnGirl.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook, of course. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Rowroom. that's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M, or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with
0: two Zs. As I'm known on Twitter, Steam, and Words with Friends, if you'd like to help me <laughs> climb my leaderboard, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, many thanks to Rhonda for helping come up with this um, improvised uh, episode today. Yep. Thanks for the links, people. Yeah. Thanks for the links. Thanks for our listeners for sharing great content with us because we wouldn't be here for, one, for all of you. And speaking of more help needed from our listeners, uh, Game on Girl is hosting not one but two groups for Extra Life. Our event will be Saturday, November 9th. Um, Most events are happening on November 2nd, so we're pushing out a week for various reasons. We'd very much love your support if you can come and game with us. You can find links to the East and West teams on the site. And you can join to play with us, so you can help us play for, for the day or you can donate to our local children's hospitals, one for the West Coast and one for the East Coast. So please come and get your game on for a good cause. Episodes of Game on Girl are available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. We also have an app for download for, from Podbean available for iOS users. These links, along with the description of the show, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on!
1: And that's how you do it. (laughs)